Welcome to Insignium Bits, conversations about breakthrough, innovation, and transformation. Hi, Jocelyn. Hi, Ashley. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm talking with Jocelyn Conrad today, a healthcare executive who has spent more than 14 years leading pharmacies at Rite Aid, and ultimately you became the chief pharmacy officer. Jocelyn and I met through the Healthcare Businesswomen's Association many years ago. I can't believe how long ago it was. And we've, uh, we've enjoyed sharing ideas about the healthcare industry during, you know, over all those years. So I just want to say welcome and thanks for being part of this conversation about the healthcare industry. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I'm excited to continue our conversations here. I want to start with your observations about women's participation and leadership in healthcare and how you've seen it changed over the years. There's a lot to unpack there for sure. Um, It it was always interesting to me coming out. Actually, this last week was 30 years. I graduated as a pharmacist. Can't believe it. And going into the field of pharmacy, there were tons of women. I mean, I want to say, and I don't have the exact number and it stays true today, you know, 70-ish, 60-ish percent of the pharmacists graduating are female. So going into the industry, it was, it caused some pause at some point in time as I, you know, went through my career that as I looked to my left and I looked to my right, many, many times, I didn't see someone that looked like me. And I didn't think about it for a very long time, but I did have those moments in my career where I'd be at a meeting early on, I'm talking early days, and I would see a female speaking in front of the group, a leadership group, and be like, wow, I definitely want to do something more. I definitely want to be like her. So when people say that, I remember those moments, like when you see someone that looks like you, uh, it does give you some comfort that there might be an opportunity for you, at least it's an aspiration. So occasionally, thank goodness, there were those women that did lead at a not very high level, but at the time I was very junior and just starting out. um, And that was enough, right? That was the aspiration. But I'll tell you where it became most prevalent is as I, you know, got closer to the executive level, because that's when I really realized the decision makers and those that were making decisions about healthcare anything in healthcare, the entire ecosystem was men or my male counterparts. And I remember being in rooms at times and they would say, well, women think this or women would want this because that is who our customer is, as we all know, for the most part, the majority of women make those decisions, right? And I would sit there and like, and who are you talking to? And at that point, I was their targeted demographic. We're talking, you know, a good decade, 15 years ago. I'm like, I don't know who you're talking about, but you're wrong. <laughs> but it was so interesting that they, they were coming at it from a different lens, but not even asking some of the right questions. And in those moments, I realized that what, the importance of diversity the importance of multiple voices, right? Because it's not all one size fits all. Um, and in those moments, I realized I, I actually had a responsibility to help support and drive some of that change within not only 
um, my organization that I worked for at the time, but for the industry as well. Mm. I think for a long time, uh, even once you got into the upper echelons of uh, senior management, weren't you the only woman? Yeah. Oh, from an executive leadership, um, I was, it was interesting. Um, I share this story and my counterparts will maybe laugh if they hear it, but I would be at lunch with them and I had no idea what they were talking about. Like I had no, they were talking about sports or, or whatever the conversation was, which was fine. Obviously we all have those conversations. So this is my favorite story. I used to come home and talk to my son and try to get like, tell me, tell me what happened this weekend or just so I wasn't completely clueless on everything. And I always tried to jump in the conversation as much as, and these are informal conversations. So, you know, these are not executive decision-making conversations and I never really understood it. Like I never really understood how to engage or what to do. And there was this one moment that um, we were going to New York city on a female leadership uh, award ceremony And I decided to invite some junior, um, if you will, level individuals to come with me to this event that a a couple of us were being honored at. And I invited some of my male counterparts and only one was able to go um, and free up his time. So he came and it was the most, it was the aha moment for me (laughs) when I realized that there was not, it wasn't intentional that people were leaving me out of the conversation. So we were in New York City, walking around. We all had our heels on because we were dressed for the event, doing some store visits. By the time we got back to go home, everyone was complaining my feet hurt. I can't believe I wore these shoes. Didn't realize I was going to walk that much. And we're just talking about, the conversation turned into shoes or whatever, very free-flowing conversation. (laughs) And this gentleman, um, executive that I was with, tried to chime in and he made some comment. I don't remember exactly. It was like, oh yeah, well, I like my brown shoes better than my black shoes. Or, And we all looked at him. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I went, yeah, okay. And just continued our conversation, like completely just ignored him yeah. because it was not a relevant comment really <laughs> to our yeah. conversation. And, and then it went, oh my God, now I know like, it was just strange to turn the tables. I remember texting him because we were in this group. So I texted him like, now you know how I feel sometimes because he didn't know what to do. And when you have those moments, it then arms you with, you know, I don't know what to say, but it arms you with the guidance or the light to have, to come to those conversations differently. So you're not, you aren't excluding people at the table. So it was a, a definite lesson learned for me. Um, yeah. But going back to going back to the yeah the leadership team at Rite Aid um, and many other organizations it's not it wasn't exclusive to Rite Aid at the time right. you know there weren't a lot of females which again going back to my earlier comment there are so many female pharmacists we were a part of a retail pharmacy why weren't they stepping up why weren't they leaning in if you will why weren't they you know going and doing more because they had the ability to do that. And Mm -hmm. at that point in time, I was, um, it was a great moment. I was part of an organization called WE, which is a female leadership community organization that was developed. I was one of the founding members. Um, 
for the industry, both CPG um, and the retail industry. And I met these fabulous women from across all parts of the industry, which I would have never met probably, um, both retail and CPG, as I said. And I started to talk to them and some of them from other organizations did have more organized women leadership groups, more organized um, ways of thinking about and trying to pay it forward and giving an environment where women can feel that they could do more. So I went back to Rite Aid and I'm like, I'm doing this. It's my obligation. I would, at that time, I was the only senior um, female in the executive leadership team. I'm like, I, this is wrong. Like if I don't do it, who is going to do it? And I, I remember being very intentional about that and going to my boss at the time, Kermit Crawford. I'm like, listen, you need to support me. I need your help here. I need your sponsorship because I, I really want to organize this and, um, I know it's going to be important for our organization. And similarly, you know, got rallied around John Stanley and Ken Black, and I got them to, you know, support this. And I'll never forget sitting there with Jess Kazmaier, who was part of the HR group at the time. And I said, okay, we're going to do this. I don't know what it's going to look like. We're going to figure it out. And we're like, where do we start? And we started taking the census of female leaders and we recognized there was, I want to say there was 11 female, this is Rite Aid, pretty large organization, Yeah, 11 female executives with a title vice president above in the entire wow. company. I was like, 11. So it, it kind of hit you in the face that, wow, but to everyone's point, there was no, like the, those behind didn't lean in. They didn't want the... It wasn't like they were being denied it. I don't think they were embracing it. So um, through many iterations, we, we, we actually went on a retreat one day and we got so much accomplished. I'll never forget it. It was eight hours and we had a charter. We understood what we were going to do. We had a mission statement within eight hours um, 13 female leaders. Built. Women know how to get it done. Huh? <laughs> it was crazy. We, and we had a blast doing it. So it wasn't that it wasn't fun. Right. Um, and it just, again, pointed to the fact that when mm. you really are committed to something, you can really do some amazing things. And that ah. was the beginning of it. And I believe that actually, you know, was a pivot point for Rite Aid to really change some of their practices. I mean, at that point in time, there was one female um, board member. And, you know, by the time all of this had been established that two more had joined the board, you know, uh, under John, and then obviously, ultimately, Hayward came on board. So um, I'd like to say I helped support pushing that uh, along at Rite Aid. And, and I do think it sounds, like so, uh, it sounds like that's the case for sure. Yeah. And, and from that point, um, you know, I don't have the exact numbers, but they at least doubled um, from a leadership perspective in, you know, females um, at that organization, which it just was, it was just a point of understanding and recognizing the need for diversity within the organization early on. That's amazing, amazing stories. And I would echo that my observations as a consultant uh, across other industries, like you said, it's not just Rite Aid and it's not just even the industry, but um, women, um, participation and leadership, uh, in business, uh, I've uh, also observed 
over the recent years that uh, men are more collaborative, they're more proactive about championing women. But to your point, are the blind spots, both men and women, like when you said, you know, your head was down just making it uh, in your own career. And so for a long time, you didn't really question it. But then when you got to a, a place of power where you could uh, and you experienced it yourself, you saw the need to to take the lead on that. And I see more women these days doing that, like generating um, the action to uncover uh, the blind spots we we all have about oh, it. Because I think that's more of what's going on anymore. I mean, a lot of men in business seem to really want to, you know, bring women, you know, along and 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 promote and champion. Uh, but uh, we don't know what we don't know, like you said. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I would not say there's there's men in the workplace um, that that don't want to do that. It's also trying to get them to understand and get, getting them to understand differences as much as we need to understand their differences, right? And, yeah. and the more we can really keep open dialogue around that and invite everyone to the table who is passionate and wants to be there and is qualified to be there, mm-hmm. they should be there. Mm-hmm. And Great. the more you do that, you know, the, the more you'll get out of it for sure. Yeah. That's wonderful. Thanks for sharing those stories. Oh, yeah. So I, I want to move on to another topic, the pandemic, and I would love to hear your thoughts on how you've found the pandemic changed things for your company, you know, and, and what you saw in the industry from it. Yeah. Wow. I know that's another big one. (laughs) Well, it just feels like decades ago at this point in time, Um, but it was, it was a very interesting time. Probably one of my most favorite times in my career, I will tell you as chaotic and stressful as it was um, for me, it really put pharmacists at the forefront um, and showed consumers the value of pharmacists. I always knew the value was there. I always understood the value proposition of a pharmacist in the community and how they can support individuals along any of their healthcare journey. However, unfortunately, only those that really need a pharmacist can understand that. So someone who's elderly or chronically ill which is a smaller part of the population, they understand the value and lean towards asking a pharmacist for advice and um, solutions to their problems. But the general population really doesn't, didn't understand. So for me, the pandemic was finally this fantastic stage that pharmacists and, and other healthcare leaders, you know, nurses and doctors could really be put on that you know, stage to show their value um, and how they can contribute. Mm. Uh, so it was exhilarating and exciting to see that. However, scary and interesting because we all didn't know a lot about the pandemic right. early on. Yeah. Um, you know, so proud of the industry and retail pharmacy in particular because we did step up, we did stay open, we did make ourselves available. I totally leaned into it. And we did the right things. We we put the right precautions in place unknowingly. I remember the conversations about putting, you know, shower curtains or the plastic in front of, like we were having these conversations and it was really, uh, 
do it yourself. Like we didn't know how we were going to do this. Um, and now you see acrylic barriers everywhere and you don't think twice about it. Right. When you think about how that all started and cleaning and how often do you clean and what does it mean and how, you know, so just that piece of staying yeah. open and being present. But then the more exciting part, I, I would think was really for us in the healthcare industry was getting pharmacists to do more and really working at the top of their license. Like testing was interesting. If you saw this 30 second video beginning to end, when we first started, Rite Aid um, was one of the first to put a PCR testing in one of our parking lots. And my team like worked with HHS to do this. And it was the craziest thing ever. We had, you know, white gowns and masks and galoshes and gloves and, you know, it was crazy. It was crazy. I had a whole team of mine that would stay in hotels because they didn't want to go home because they didn't know if, you know, they would infect anyone and they they weren't, didn't know this was early March of, was that 2020? Yeah. And so we were only two months into it. March 22nd, we opened our first testing site and to see where that came. Now we're doing PCR tests in the drive-thrus, right? And to see the evolution of so many people and how we learned more in the science and we developed processes in place to support communities so that they can be safe and healthy was amazing. And mm-hmm. then working with you know the both Trump administration and the Biden administration on the vaccine delivery. I mean, at first um, they didn't even contemplate pharmacies and I know it wasn't just me, but I'm, I'm having just conversations with the CDC and with these administration um, leads saying, no, no, we know how to do this. Right. Like, we already do this. But again, many individuals don't know what pharmacists do. They don't know, you know, what we're capable of. And it was so interesting because it was a no brainer. It was also a lesson for me is don't assume everyone knows what. Right. And yeah. that goes more broadly than just pharmacists, because when it you sounds do, like it became a whole new paradigm for pharmacists and, and like you said, a, a new playing field for them. Without a doubt. Yeah. To, yeah. to hopefully continue to elevate them and their profession, you know, for years to come. I think it was a big leap. And obviously, you know, we saw we would not be where we are today mm-hmm. if it wasn't for community pharmacy. Mm. If we provided. Um, you know, 60% of the vaccines across the nation, who would have done that? You you couldn't have built an infrastructure fast enough, in my opinion, to handle that, where, you know, you had retail and community independent pharmacies administering vaccines, the infrastructure was in place. They say, you know, most people live within five miles of many chain pharmacies. (laughs) So, you know, bring that whole network into play we already do it. We already know how to do the workflow. We already, it was just brilliant to see everyone come together and truly work for the greater purpose, um, which I loved, right? I really enjoyed working with my peers and, and working um, not competitively and yeah. doing something for the greater good of the world, right? Yes. Uh, you know, yeah. Saving your life one shot at a time used to be my my mo- motto. When people say, well, so what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, we're just saving lives one shot at a time. So I love uh, that. 
But at the time, it was it's so interesting to sit on this side of it because we didn't know what we were doing. We took big risks. We took big leaps and you, but we had to. <laughs> so it was important to do that. And I think everyone really stepped in and leaned in. I know it was uncomfortable at times because you did not know, again, yeah. you didn't know, but you just jumped into it. Yeah. What do you uh, see now as we're in that post pandemic time or, you know, somewhat yes. <laughs> we ever be post pandemic, but um, you know, as, as um, families begin to try to um, just manage their day-to-day health. Um, do you see pharmacists still playing um, a, a bigger role? Yeah, I absolutely. I think I would hope that, you know, families are now coming back in to catch up on all the things that they missed and pharmacists can play an important role in that, uh, right. whether it's immunizations, whether it's just wellness um, yeah. advice and, because there there was that point in time where people were taking care of themselves very differently. Some yeah. took the wellness extreme, but others, the yeah. you, you know, you, if you miss your um, immunization schedule, it's important to get back in and, you know, get caught up on all of that. And I think pharmacists can play a role in that where many consumers didn't realize that. So, yeah. uh, you know, I hope consumers continue to trust there are pharmacists, they are advocates for their health, and they continue to utilize them and tap onto them so that that profession can continue to thrive. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I can definitely see the possibility of what they can provide. Um, you know, when I see how much we used uh, the retail pharmacies versus going into the medical offices, which weren't even open anymore right. to a large extent. So um, coming to know our pharmacists and relying on them more, you know, I can see that as a possibility as a consumer. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there were some downsides to it as well. I mean, pharmacists took on a ton more responsibility than they had previously mm-hmm. and demand, you know, it was interesting to the consumers yeah. approach on one, one minute, the pharmacists were heroes because they were open. The next minute we were, you know, hated by many because they couldn't get an appointment for an immunization. So yeah. it was very frustrating times. And I, I, you know, a big shout out to all the pharmacists out there because it was not an easy time for any of them. And yeah. they had to work really hard. It was not, it did not come easy. And I'm sure they all had um, many sleepless nights during, you know, especially those peak times. So um, then you had flu come in there and kids being immunized. And it was, it was a hard time for for months. Yeah. Really important time for leadership. Um, And to that point, um, you know, you, as well as many other executives, as the pandemic, you know, we came to the end of that, that period, uh, not only middle management has been part of the great resignation or, you know, reorganizations and, you know, moved on and, and you're now, you know, taking on a new adventure, having departed uh, Rite Aid. What's that like for you? You know, having gone so hard, so fast for so long, and now you're in this whole new adventure. Yeah, it's, it's been, it's been exciting. I'll, I'll tell you. Um, and that's a good point. The way you say it, I was going so far, so fast, for so long. And then, you know, the brakes hit and for a moment, I had to pause and think about it. But once I, you know, 
opened myself to the art of the possibility of what is out there in the world, it's been amazing. I have met people I know I would have never met in my career um, by putting myself out there. Yeah. I'll tell you too, um, I, I, I am much more vulnerable than I ever have been, which is kind of refreshing and interesting and scary at the same time, because I'm looking at things so differently. Um, I did retail pharmacy for 30 years. So I knew a lot and I knew it well. And I, I learned obviously yeah. during the time. Um, so I feel like I'm that you know, 22 year old kid to some degree, again, learning new things and having different conversations about things I never probably thought I would have conversations about um, because I have the time to do it. And yeah. I put my heart and soul, you know, 100% into my career and into retail pharmacy. And I'm sure I could have done some of those things, but I chose not to. I really was very focused on, you know, the professional pharmacy and retail in general and learning that space um, for those 30 years that now it's just refreshing and exciting and wow. new. And I never even thought that there was all this in the world <laughs> at times. Advice you have for other executives or even um, uh, anyone who's going through this, um, you know, you're not really retiring, Jocelyn. You're kind of rewiring. Rewiring, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I would say, you know, it, my best advice would be if you feel that that life is you know, not what it's meant to be in fulfilling to you, take the leap, go and do something different. Wake up every day and be passionate about what you're doing or feel joy or happiness in what you're doing. And if you're not, then take that jump because there's so much out there in the world um, and it's for it's yours for the taking. But, you know, if you don't do it and you don't take a little bit of a risk, um, you'll never see, you'll never understand what else is out there. So, you know, if you're loving what you're doing, that's great. But if you start to feel that, you know, that inner self tell you, I'm not so sure I want to get out of bed this morning, yeah. that might be a, the first sign that yeah. you should start thinking about it. And then don't overthink it. You know, I think that's the other piece. There's risk in everything that we do. Well, and and what I hear from the different experiences you've had throughout your career so far, because it's clearly not over, um, is that you've taken those risks, you've taken those leaps, you've seen, you've had, uh, you've broken up paradigms, and and that's really awesome, Jossie. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, that's that's where it is exciting. I I was fortunate enough to be in this in a place that. Yeah kind of created those opportunities for me for 30 years. So that was, you know, a fortunate part of coming from thrift drug and through mergers and acquisitions, there was always opportunities there. Yeah. Um, so now I'm just kind of creating them for myself this time around. That's wonderful. Well, I can't wait to see what uh, you do next. I'll keep you informed. <laughs> Over 30 years ago, Insignium pioneered the field of organizational transformation. Please continue to our library in the episodes page of your podcast tool of choice.